morning. Are you ready? Put your hands together. Oh, thanks, guys. How good is it to be in the house of God? I just, I just, I don't know. You get those times where you just need it that little bit more. And I think um, this morning was one of those mornings. So girls that led us in worship, you guys are amazing. I was just such a lovely presence of God. And Pastor Chin, the uh, the communion, he's a, you need I get myself one of those preaching voices. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amazon, he reckons. All right. Hey, so I want to speak this morning about, we're starting this series, Digging Deeper, and, uh, and, and really what our heart with this series is, is really connecting with God on a deeper level. And, and that's what we're, you know, that, that's what we're going to be talking about for the next few weeks. And there's a, the, the, the passage I want to start from is, is 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20, says this, In a large house there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for special purposes and some for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. It says here that there are articles for special purposes and some for common use. You've got to remember, this is talking about uh, a, a time where civilization did not have indoor plumbing. So some of those common use is actually talking about the potty. So it says some things here are your real nice stuff, you know, the good china you bring out when the special people are over. Or, and then, or you could be used for the, for the dunny. And everywhere in between. But what it says here is that you get the choice. It, it says here that you have a choice. It says, those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes. Some are for common use. Some are for special use. And what I think is cool is that we get this, like, I don't know if you're anything like me, somewhere inside rattling around is like this sense that God has a plan for my life. There's somewhere in there that knows that life is so much more than waking up, going to work, coming home, watching Netflix, doing that for 30 odd years, dying, going to heaven. There's, like inside of all of us, I really believe that God has placed a call on your life to do something significant. He has put something inside of each and every one of us to do something significant to be somebody significant. And it's saying here that you have control over the level of significance that you will be used. It says those who cleanse themselves, those who initiate the process themselves will be used. Now, we, a lot of us will pray that God would use us and then we complain that we're being used. Now, I'm, I know it's funny and it is a little cliche, but that's the truth. We pray that God will use us, then we whinge we're being used. There's a, a passage in, um, in Jeremiah that really has been a hinge scripture for my life, especially in the context of being used. 
It says here in Jeremiah 12, verse 5, it says, If you've raced with men on foot and they've worn you out, how can you compete with horses? If you stumble in safe country, how will you manage in the thickets by the Jordan? See, we saw before that there are items in a house for common use and for noble use. And it doesn't say that the people that are being, the, the common use, it doesn't say that they're unnecessary. It doesn't say that they're not going to heaven. It doesn't say that they're not loved, they're not needed, they're not valued. But it does show that there is a better quality of life with purpose. And then in this passage in Jeremiah, it says, if you run with men on foot and they've worn you out, how can you compete with horses? It's not saying you have to compete with horses. But it's saying if you want to, you've got to get past running with men. If you want to come higher, you've got to get past that. And a lot of, lot of, a lot of our journey is a litmus test of how bad do you want it? How, how, how much do you want the call that God has put on your life, the invitation that God has given you? The Lord Jesus, and I love that time of communion because it was so clear that Pastor Chin was saying that, we, that, that, that Jesus laid down his life, that he sacrificed his life. He had his life and he put it in the hands of men to be crucified. It, it was a choice of his. there's another place where Jesus says, my life isn't taken, I give it. And to really understand it, I love in the picture of the Garden of Gethsemane where the soldiers came to Jesus and they said, are you Jesus? And he's like, I am. And they went poof and fell over. And then he's like, oi, boys, what's going on? I thought you'd come to arrest me. Up you get. Like he he was not taken. He, He gave his life. And God won't take your life. He doesn't demand this higher standard from you. He doesn't force you to be somebody of noble use. He doesn't force you to be men and women who will run with horses. But he does invite you. He, he does invite us. And we have that opportunity to accept the invitation. Now, there's this passage that this invitation, oh, this invitation. It's called the call of God. It's the invitation. It's the call of God. It's about the most precious thing in life is the call of God. It's where God breathes and you feel called and you feel drawn and you know that he has a plan for you. You know that there is more for your life than what you're currently experiencing. Sometimes there's, a cl- there's clarity to it. Sometimes it's just a direction. Sometimes it's just you know that God's asking for, he wants, he wants more. He wants you to go deeper. I have to tell you, it's the most beautiful thing on earth, is this call. But it will cost you everything. The Apostle Paul says here in Philippians 3, he says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in, and participation in his suffering, becoming like him in his death. The reason he, he processed knowing Christ the way that he knew that to really get to know Jesus meant going through suffering, meant the way he knew it is because Jesus himself in Philippians 2 verse 6 says this, it says, 
who being in very nature, he's talking about Jesus, who being in very nature God, he was God, he was God incarnate, he was God, part of the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Trinity always was, always will be, created the earth, created the star system. Or it says, that God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Christ positioned himself to go through a storm. He positioned himself to die. He positioned himself to, the, to be the ultimate sacrifice. That was his positioning. He came and intentionally positioned him. He knew what he was getting himself into. And if you're going to answer the call, I have to let you know that is what you're getting yourself into. You don't have to answer the call. You don't have to. It says those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be used for noble purposes. It doesn't say you have to, but you're invited. To get there, though, involves going deeper. It involves digging deeper. In, um, in Matthew's gospel, it's, there's a story that where Jesus is taught, telling a parable, verse, chapter 13, verse 20. It says, The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word at once and receives it with joy. What's that word? That word is the call for the intents and purposes of this sermon, of this, this uh, series. That's the call. That's the direct word from God saying, come. It's the direct word from God saying, I have a plan for your life. It's the direct word from God saying, hey, I want you to be an influencer in your generation. Uh, it's a direct call from God saying, your life is supposed to matter more than just you and yours. It's a direct word from God. And it says here, he hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. What we need to see is two things here. Trouble is when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The first thing we need to see is that trouble or persecution come doesn't say if trouble or persecution comes. It says when. It's coming. Why is it coming? Because of the word. Because of the call. Because of the word God spoke to you, trouble and persecution are coming. You need it. It's a gift from God to you. True, true story. Paul talks like this in Colossians 1. He says, Now I rejoice in what I'm suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, which is the church. Paul's saying here, I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regards to Christ's affliction. That almost sounds heretical. It's like a heresy. It's like I, this affliction is putting stuff in me that Jesus didn't put in me through his, res his death and resurrection. Stuff is happening to me 
that the cross didn't do. It almost, it's, it sounds like if this wasn't in the Bible, you would think, hang on, this is like some sort of works-based theology where people are earning salvation or earning, but, but, but Paul's saying here, there is stuff that happens through hard times that you don't get at salvation. He's saying, I rejoice in what I'm suffering. And that language is so similar to language that the Apostle James used in, in, uh, in chapter 1 of his book. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Consider it pure joy when you face trials. Paul was saying, I consider it pure joy when I face trials because it puts stuff in me. Put stuff in me beyond what the cross puts in me. Puts runs on the board. It put my, puts miles on my soul. Jesus, perfect Jesus, sinless lamb. It says that he, through obedience, grew. Through obedience, he grew. There's stuff you can only get by going through. And James continues on here. He says, because you know this testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And then he goes, takes a step back. If any of you are lacking, if any of you are lacking wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to you. Do you know what you are asking for when you ask God for wisdom? You are asking God for trouble. You are specifically asking God for trouble. You are saying, God, no, no, listen. Consider it pure joy when you face trials because this testing produces perseverance, maturity, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks something, you should ask, and God gives generously. But we just saw how God gives maturity. We just saw how he gives wisdom. We just saw how he imparts through trouble. This sucks, man. Like, I want to be able to just invite Jesus into my heart, have my communion, totally healed in my body, totally restored in my mind, totally healed in my heart. Just go on and live a kumbaya life, power of God flowing through me, call of God just flying along and, you know, praise the Lord all the way till Jesus comes back. But Paul says there's still lacking stuff. The only way that you get mature and complete is by going through things. The passage in 2 Timothy said that you have to cleanse yourself. You have to do stuff. You have to persevere. You have to refine. And so we're invited into this journey with God that involves involves going through hard times. Now that's that that the, <laughs> these hard times, it's like Oh. In Isaiah, this is, what, this is what the prophet wrote. In Isaiah 48, 10, it says, See, I have refined you, though not as silver. I have tested you 
in the furnace of affliction. He's saying these hard times are refining us, cleaning us. Now, what, I really, what we really need to see here is that we, in Hebrews 13, this is the, Hebrews 11, just for a tiny little, tiny little Bible study lesson, Hebrews 11 is what we call the faith chapter. But the problem with Hebrews 11 is it finishes and moves over to Hebrews 12, which is called the discipline chapter. And then it brings us to 13, where we, where we, read, where we, where we read this. Hebrews 13, 20 says this. May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant, brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep. So now, may the God of peace equip you with everything good for doing his will. And he will work in us what is pleasing to him, through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. So what it says here, may God equip you with everything good. But it doesn't mean he gives things to you. He says he works in us. So what's going on here? What's going on here is that if you are called, God wants to do a work in you to equip you, to prepare you to answer that call. It's called maturity, as we read in James. So what this does is it brings us to a point where we have to go deeper. We have to go deeper. In, in the story we read in Matthew, it says that the seed falling on the rocky ground is someone who hears the word at once and receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. They have no root. If we're going to last in this calling, we need to put down roots. We need to go deep. We need to go through the pain. Now, from my understanding of what I've worked with, walked with God, the trials and persecutions that come, they hit on the spot. And I just have to tell you something. Your spot's different to my spot. Your spot, the thing that will kill you is different to the thing that will kill me. I remember it was going back maybe five or, five or so years. There was a, this, an opportunity that I'd really, really wanted. And, and it was a good thing. It was helping people. It was a great thing. It, was, uh, it, it wasn't... I mean, it was a bit selfish because I wanted it for me, but it wasn't like, you know, not doing good things. And then I got a phone call saying, hey, uh, you know that thing that you really wanted, it well, just giving it to someone else. And, and it, it gutted me. Like, I'm talking gutted me. Not so much the missing out on the opportunity, not so much the... Lot like missing out on the privilege that it would have been, not so much, but I, I couldn't even put my finger on why it cut me as deep as it did. But what it did was it touched right on my thing, it touched right on my spot, it touched right on my area that needed touching. So what's going to happen in this journey with God? When you say yes to the call, do you know what God is going to do? He's going to put his finger right there. He's going to put his finger right there. 
For some of you, it's money. For some of you, it's position. For some of you, it's relationship. For some of you, it's family. For some of you, it's your image of yourself. Whatever your thing is, God says, I want it. He says, that has to be cleansed. That has to be made holy. And the way that it's made holy is by bringing it to God, letting God sit with it. And like we read in, in James and what, what, and what Paul said is that I celebrate this pain. I keep this pain up front. I don't, ret- I don't withdraw. I don't run. I don't retract. I stay there. I stay there. It says here that the cruci- in, in Proverbs 17, it says, The crucible for silver and the furnace for gold, but God tests the heart. And we saw that earlier in Isaiah. It says, I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. It says, you have to stay in the fire. You have to stay there where it hurts. You have to let God do what he wants to do and not run and not retreat if you are going to get what, you, what God's called you to. Because there's no shortcuts in God. There just isn't. Even the Lord Jesus was a nine-month gestation period for the God of heaven to be born as a man. There was no shortcut. For you and me, there is no shortcut. It says here that if the root doesn't go down deep, you fall away. So Paul celebrates, James celebrates the affliction the hard time, they keep it open before God. And this is what I think God wants to talk to in this, uh, in this first ser- session here of this series is God saying, I want you to stay open before me. I want you to, st- uh, you cannot run. It says that if you've not been able to keep up with men, how can you run against horses? If you can't tolerate this pain, how do you think, how do you think you're going to tolerate the challenges that are going to come when you step into what I've called you to. Now, most of us, you, okay, you say, well, Jacob, I don't really have a desire to be a pastor or a preacher or, or you know, a missionary or whatever the thing is. But you do want stuff. You do want, can I just tell you that all of the problems you've got right now, most of them, I won't say all, most of the problems you've got right now, you prayed for. True story. You know, that wife you're having a hard time with? Don't you remember praying for her? That husband, you prayed for him. Those kids that are giving you grief, you don't remember praying for those kids? That house that's that's causing all those problems, you, you don't remember praying for a house? With the promotion comes a challenge. And if you can't handle that challenge, you can't keep the promotion. There's a saying I love. It's like talent will get you into the room, but character keeps you there. And what I love about God is he doesn't overexpose us. He doesn't overexpose us. There's this man in the Bible, a lot of us will know his story. It's David. He was a shepherd boy who became king of Israel. But he had this season where he was hidden. He was tucked away in a field. No one could see him. When it came time for notoriety, his dad forgot about him. That's how hidden this kid was. But while he was on this field, while he was off in the background, 
he was being exposed to challenges. He was being exposed to trials. He was being exposed to affliction. It talks about some of his experiences as a shepherd boy off by himself, guarding only a few sheep. He says that when a lion would come, he would fight it and kill it. When a bear would come, he would fight it and kill it. These are victories that he had behind the scenes. But what that did in him is it put steel in his soul. Because one day there came a battle that was in front of everybody, and he was able to say, I can take this guy down. He's a 10-foot tall giant. And he said, I can have him. So I've, take, I've, had, I've, I've been fighting behind the scenes. I've been fighting bears and lions. This thing here, I've done this before. I've got it in me. So what happens is when God exposed him to this threat, this opportunity, he was not overexposed because he had been thoroughly prepared, adequately prepared. Now, the stuff that we're going through is God preparing you, adequately preparing you for the things he's got for you. Now, we need to have an attitude like Paul had and like James had and celebrate those challenges. Some of us, this is how we celebrate our challenges. Ring, I won't say your girlfriends because that's like being stereotypical. Ringing your friends. Look at that. I'm so <laughs> inclusive. Ringing your friends, telling them all about your problems because you're uh, uh, processing them. That's the word, processing. The Bible calls it gossip, but you can call it processing. It's fine. Venting. The Bible calls it complaining, but you can call it venting. That's nice. makes you feel good. And that's how you're handling your pain. That's how you're handling your affliction. But, but God's saying, you know what you're doing? You're spinning your wheels right now. You're not handling this. You, like, and I, and I, what I wonder, I, I've got questions, you know. Like David, the shepherd boy in the field, like he was a young kid. Like how many times did a lion come, eat one of his sheep in front of his eyes and run off with it? You can't tell me that this guy, as a real young kid, first line he ever saw, he just took it down. I just don't buy it. A big bear coming on, there's a little kid just taking the thing down. with a, Like, I don't reckon that happened. I reckon he watched it, missed out, and the thing ran off. He was terrified. And at some point, he got frustrated enough with it happening, and he physically grew, and his skills developed to the point where he could take it down. Because... I'm not saying, like, it's not in there, so I'm totally guessing, totally reading it in, putting my own little story in here. Don't hold me, you know, letters about making up the scripture or whatever. But you can't tell me that this guy just saw the first line, just went, well, yeah, I'm going after it and killed it. I just don't think that happened. I think he must have worked his way up to it. Maybe it was a dog or something. And come along like a dingo, come and took his sheep. And he, and he built up to it. To one day he could do it. And then to the point where he was just confident every time he saw one, he's like, I know what to do. I can take this thing down. To the point where one day he's facing a 10-foot tall giant. He's like, I can take this thing down. No worries. Because he had worked up to it. Now, God is exposing you to trials and challenges and tribulations to work you to the place where you can face them. No worries. Take them down. 
growing and developing this how did james put it because this testing of your faith produces perseverance perseverance has to finish its work perseverance no no think about that that's not an instant there's nothing instantaneous about perseverance there's nothing short term about perseverance that suggests process it says the process has to finish its journey before the outcome the desired outcome is manifest what's that mean that means time that means putting up with rubbish for time The process, and, and this is what I really feel like God's saying to us. I feel a bit blunt. It's, it's harden up, toughen up. And I'm not saying there are times where we don't get beaten because, man, there are. And I've been beaten enough times to know that I don't win every fight. But I tell you, I learn every fight. I get better every fight. And you know, they say what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Well, it can or it can cause, pe- cause permanent damage. But I think in God, it's not supposed to cause permanent damage. The way you process it matters. We're not called to run when the fire is on. We're called to sit in the fire. We're called to stay there in the furnace of affliction. Let God do His perfect work so that you might become mature, complete, not lacking anything. We have to let those roots go down deep because when... The challenges come and they will come because of the word, because of the destiny, because of the call of God in your life, because of what God wants to achieve in and through you. The challenges are going to come. You're called to make it. God wants you to make it. God wants you to be strong, to stand firm through this fire, be standing on the other side of it, ready for the next thing. That's what we're called to. That's what we're called to. So I want us to be, as we process this walk with God, understand Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself, became obedient to death, even death on a cross. He postured and positioned himself right where he knew was going to kill him. And for us to get where God's calling us to, we have to leave a whole lot of us behind. We have to leave so much of us behind. The passage in Timothy says that you have to cleanse yourself from the latter. You have to leave it behind. You have to clean it. You have to be cleansed of that. And the way that gets cleansed is through the furnace of affliction. We cannot be afraid of the fight, guys. We cannot be afraid of the fight. We can't be. If you back off in the fight, doesn't mean you're not going to heaven. Doesn't mean God stops loving you. It just says that you're a common use vessel. The potty. The dunny. And I know I'm, I'm, I'm laughing, and it, and it, but I don't think anyone here wants to look back at the end of our life, see the life that God called us to, see what was possible, the people we could have helped, the lives we could have been part of transforming, the people that we would have, could have, should have seen come into the kingdom of heaven, away from an eternal destruction. 
I don't think any one of us on our deathbed would want to look back and say, you know what? I'm okay with letting all that, all that happen because my life was easy and comfortable. I think we probably be men and women who would look back and say one more. I wish I could have helped one more person. I wish I could have saved one more person. And I just want to, as we lead into this series, I think I just want to set the tone of us getting very real with God, being very intentional in our walk with God, and actually making that decision that, you know what, we're going to be men and women, men and women who say yes to the call of God and then pay the price. And, and in it all, and I know I've made it... Like I've highlighted the pain and I've highlighted the, the challenging parts of this walk. And they're real and you need to be aware of them and you, they are a part of this. But God will never ever let you give Him more than He gives you. Do you know there's a place in, in Ephesians, yeah, we were talking about Hebrews chapter 6 earlier. And there's, this, there's a verse in there, chapter 11 verse 6 says that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. It means he's a paymaster. He, he won't let you give him more than he'll give you. So as you give him everything, you have to know that he will release everything to you. Like it's worth it. It's worth it. You're called to run with horses and it's worth it. I'm going to pray. Can I just get every head bowed and every eye closed? I know this hasn't been my most organized sermon. I feel like I've jumped around a lot. I think God's trying to say a lot of things to a lot of people. But what I want us to do, what I want us to take home from this, is that we're to hold our focus. That if God calls us to it, we say yes, and there it is going to be hard. There are going to be hard times in it. It's going to be worth it, but it's going to be hard. Before we just go any further, I would like just to, if anyone's here and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, you've never said yes to that call to start that journey with Him, to receive that forgiveness that Pastor Chinyama talked about when we're taking our communion. You know, if that's you, as a church, we're all going to pray together. But if you're praying that for the first time, I just ask that you mean it with all of your heart. Church, I'm just going to lead us in prayer and I just invite you all to, to repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I ask you come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me clean. From today forward, I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, we believe you got born again. We believe you got a fresh start with God. And just while everyone's still, head's still bowed and eyes still closed, if that's you, I just would invite you to, to slip your hand in the air just so I can see it. Because I'd love to pray with you afterwards. And I've got a, a small uh, pack that we'd like to give you to help you get started. If you're online and that's you, please let us know. And we'll reach out to you and get some resources to you as well. Just one moment longer. If that was you, just invite you to put your hand in the air. See that hand down there? 
One more moment. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to pray for us all. I believe that God was challenging people this morning. I know I was challenged even as I was preaching. Lord, I thank you that you're a loving father. I thank you that you only want good things for your kids. And you love us so much that you invite us into your mission field, into your ministry. God, that we would be a church that isn't afraid of the fight, that isn't afraid of the pain. And when you put your finger on something, Lord, we would let you keep it there, that we wouldn't turn or run. We wouldn't anesthetize it, Lord. But we would let you deal with us, Lord God would let you do what you want to do, Lord God, so that you can bring the outcome that you want to bring in our lives. Lord, that we would be able to dig deeper, that we would be able to dig deeper, Lord God, that we would be able to have our feet firmly planted on you, the rock. We need you, Lord God. This world needs you. And we say yes to the call. In Jesus' name, amen.